0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 29th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. As important as the economic impacts of immigration may be, immigration's impact on American institutions is also worthy of study. Ben Powell is a professor of economics at Texas Tech University. He discussed some of the various impacts of immigration at the Cato Institute earlier this month. For about a decade now I've been giving talks on immigration around the country, and what's striking to me is that The debate among social scientists about the impacts of immigration is just vastly different than what it is throughout uh, Capitol Hill or public radio across the country. Uh, the, The degree of difference among the scholars is like this compared to the degree of difference in the population like this. And the idea was not to show that all economists or social scientists agree about optimal immigration policy. It's to show what are the finer points they debate, and then in the second half, How would they differ in policy in light of that, then, maybe? And it's just vastly different than what we see in other parts of society. So what I'll do with my remarks today, I think, is uh, go through, at first, some of the economic impacts where the debates among scholars are just vastly different than the general populace. And then I'll end with where the big question for scholars, I think, is on terms of the impacts. And then Alex will fill in more about the the fiscal impacts, which is an excellent chapter that he wrote for the book. So first, as was pointed out in in the introduction, The gains that economists predict from moving to a world of open borders are just jaw-droppingly staggering. So we're talking 50 to 150% of world GDP, doubling of GDP level, and it's staying doubled and continuing to grow from that level every year. This is just massive. If the economists are off by a lot, it's still massive. When we think about other problems associated with immigration that people worry about, be it crime, the educational system, whatever. Which of these problems can't be at least partially addressed or solved with double world GDP? That's just like a massive corrective to whatever objection it is to, most, to almost all of the objections, and I'll come back to the one that I think might be an exception to this later, whatever other objections you might have. So that alone, I don't think the population in general appreciates how big these gains could be, and it's because... What Julian Simon, of course, referred to as the ultimate resource, human ingenuity, a lot of it's trapped in places with lousy institutions, not much respect for economic freedom, bad rule of law, bad property rights. So it's not made use of effectively. If you take them out of the poor environment, all of a sudden their human capital becomes more valuable. It's what we call the place premium in immigration economics. Take a Haitian out of Haiti, drop them in the United States, overnight average earnings go up 1,000%. Ditto for Nigeria. For a Mexican, it's about 150%. This is just putting that human capital that's really going to you know, not being made very good use of in poorer parts of the world and all of a sudden mobilizing it. That's where these big gains come from. And I think this is just vastly underappreciated by most Americans. Now, when it comes to their objections, usually, I mean, you you get kind of the the Lou Dobbs trio of they're going to impoverish our economy, they're going to steal our jobs. That's also the South Park one. And they're going to depress our wages. So first, for the U.S. economy, the economists who are critical of immigration, agree that existing immigration, both illegal and uh, legal combined, are a net benefit to native-born Americans. So not just to the economy that includes the gains to those immigrants, which are big, but to the native-born as well. But it's small, modest as a percent of GDP. Take George Borhaus, who's probably the most prominent economist critical of greater immigration, and use his standard method for estimating and update it for current levels of immigration. It's around $40 billion per year to the the native-born citizens in the U.S. economy that immigrants earn add to it. So as a you know, $15 trillion or so economy, $40 is kind of small. But note, this is the debate among economists. The guy who's critical says the net economic gains are positive. But then we'll say, but they're relatively modest. So if we just got rid of it because I care about other things, well, we wouldn't lose that much. This is much different than Lou Dobbs telling everybody, they're going to make us a third world country. No, this isn't the debate among responsible social scientists. So what about jobs? They steal our jobs. This is the most popular one, probably. It's a classic case, I think, of what Bastiat called the seen and the unseen. When an immigrant comes in and displaces a native-born worker, there's a you can stick a camera on the native-born worker. This guy can say, I used to do landscaping. Now look, it's all people from another country who are doing landscaping here. You can see the guy who is displaced. But immigration both creates and destroys jobs. So it took that person's job, but immigrants also demand goods and services, which creates needs for other jobs. And it frees American labor to do what's in its comparative advantage. Note I just used the economic catchphrase comparative advantage, and that's because the case for free trade and labor isn't fundamentally different than the ones for for trade and goods and services. Uh, it's still based on comparative advantage and freeing the labor up to do what it is best suited to do, given the relative scarcity of other types of labor. The main difference with immigrants is unlike goods and services, they can commit other acts while they're here, whether it be crime, terrorism, or voting. Uh, Those are the differences, (laughs) yeah, lump those together. Those are the differences compared to goods and services, but the core economics are basically the same to it. Uh, So think if they did steal our jobs on net. It's not something particular about an immigrant that's making the jobs stolen. It would just be increasing the labor force and it's like a notion of a fixed pie of jobs. Well, what's happened to the civilian labor force since the 1950s? Massive entry of baby boomers, women, and post-1965 immigrants into the workforce. We've seen close to a tripling of the number of workers in the economy since 1950. We should be seeing massive long-term structural unemployment if there's some fixed pool of jobs. Of course, we don't see this. What we see, if if I brought a PowerPoint and you track these things, you can look at total civilian employment and size of the labor force. Little gap between them of unemployment, as always, and during recessions it gets bigger. But the two of them basically triple in size over this time period. There's just no net effect on jobs overall short-term displacements, longer-term re-employment. All right, so what about wages? The overall finding for wages across uh, skill levels and occupations, not very much, basically nothing. It doesn't impact our the wage rate of existing Americans. Now, I, uh, I once published this in an op-ed, and as Alex knows well, when you publish op-eds on immigration, you get a lot of hate mail. And This one uh, generated some hate mail, and I usually just delete it when it's curses, but I actually responded because I'd had some cocktails. And uh, (laughs) then it, it became a dialogue back and forth with the person where he became more reasonable. And what it boiled down to is he said, I didn't understand supply and demand, which is a curious thing to accuse an economist of. And he's like, you can't claim that they don't steal jobs or they don't push down our wages. Look, it increases the supply of labor. Therefore, it must push down wages and much displaced jobs. Total jobs increase, but native-held jobs would decrease under that framework. And uh, actually, after the whole exchange, he said he wanted to publish it on his immigration website. And uh, I had to look back at that first email I sent him. And then I said, OK, go ahead, but just no excerpting. Publish the whole thing. To my knowledge, it's the only time I've been featured on a neo-Nazi website. Uh, But (laughs) because uh, because he was attacking me, I kind of liked it. Uh, And he ended up making the title of the article economics profession denies the laws of supply and demand. I was going to just be economists denies the laws of supply and demand, but he actually started looking up the references that I was sending him, which was to this mainstream social science research in economics that says there's not much of an impact here. Uh, and the reason why I think about it, it's not simply a shift out in the supply of labor. One, if immigrants also create demands for goods and services when they come here, it's going to shift out the demand for labor too. Now there's not a theoretical certainty of what happens. It depends on the magnitude of each of these shifts. Wages could stay the same, could go up, could go down. Two, it's not simply the supply of labor. Labor is heterogeneous. If we think about the skill composition of immigrants who come, disproportionately many of them are very high skill. If you walk around any university in the United States, you see a lot more foreign born people there than you do in the general population. And disproportionately low skill, thinner in the middle. When you think about the educational profile of the United States overall, you think of it, very, if we can use PhD for high skill, I'm not sure we can, but very small percentage who would have PhDs. Lots who have college education or high school very few without high school diploma. Well, once they're complements rather than substitutes for American labor, it's freeing American labor up to do the task that it's better suited to, which would actually enhance your wages, not push them down. Furthermore, as Adam Smith pointed out, specialization and division of labor are limited by the extent of the market. Bring more people into an area, you can have a more fine specialization of labor, which can lead to higher output and thus higher wages as well. All of these things offset the basic notion of you're just shifting out the supply of of labor here. So where where is the economics debate on the wages? It's about the low-skilled workers in the United States. Economists who study immigration debate, how does it impact high school dropouts in the United States from immigration here? And the debate ranges from it might be slightly positive for them to it might be at worst negative 8%. This is the vigorous debate, not Lou Dobbs, they're going to drive down our wages and make us poor. No, it's high school dropouts, maybe slightly positive, maybe negative 8%. And then, how long does it last? And most of them find it's not permanent, it's a temporary, which goes with our notion of being reallocated to a better use. At first, you have a depression in your wages, but then you retool your school skill set and go do something you're better suited to do. Wages go back up. That's where the margin of debate is. These things don't amount to what we hear in politics and the pop press about what immigration are doing, and I think if people had a better appreciation for the general social science on this, they could actually concentrate on where there are bigger differences of opinion and where immigration might have bigger effects. Uh, And the main one of those, I think the main area of social science that's still, uh, I won't say wide open, but pretty close to wide open, is how do immigrants impact our institutions? So it's not a narrowly economic impact, but if immigrants come here and I said at the beginning, the main cause of their poverty is a bad institutional environment at home that doesn't let them make use of their human capital. If you bring a few of them here and their human capital then interacts with our institutions, boom, productivity goes up, world GDP doubles. But if you bring tons of them here, maybe that's too much and they undermine our institutions, and then if we don't have as good institutions, not only do they not create as much value when they come, we ourselves stop creating as much value as what we could create before. This, I think, is the most reasonable objection to immigration. And note, it would only be an objection to mass immigration, not simply the immigration that we have now, or for that matter, significantly increasing the amount of immigration we have now. According to that same Clemens article survey that was mentioned at the beginning, just a migration of 5% of the world's poor to the richer countries would increase global GDP more than uh, eliminating all remaining tariffs to goods and services crossing borders and all capital account restrictions. So even a smaller one that's not gonna necessarily at all challenge institutions could create massive gains. So now where's the real policy debate is, can we go more than that? And I think reasonable social scientists here could disagree based on what they think about the institutional impact. George Borhaus, the prominent economist who's critical of greater immigration, I mentioned before, uh, he recently published a paper in the Journal of Economic Literature where he um, modeled six different scenarios, I think, of how much of their negative social capital Im- immigrants import into the host country's institutions and what that does to the projected global gains, and in some scenarios actually makes those global gains become not just smaller, not doubling of world GDP, but negative. Now, he didn't offer any evidence that this is in fact true. He made it up, actually. It's called making assumptions. He made six different assumptions, did the math, and then said what the projections would be. But that doesn't mean they actually have this impact, but I think it's a reasonable area to study. And Alex and I and a few co-authors uh, took that as a jumping-off point, because it's a common, uh, I think it's a common objection among libertarian-leading and conservative people, uh, but also among some scholars who are critical. Uh, Collier would be another example like this, uh, who want to claim that they're going to destroy the society's institutions. So Alex, co-authors, and I, what we did is we actually said, well, and Borchardt's in his article, by the way, says, what do we know about this? We know little about this, parentheses, read nothing. And then he just makes up six scenarios that all go in the same direction. Um, a little bit questionable. So Alex and I said, well, if we know nothing, I guess the first thing to do is start and figure out what the slope of the line is from existing immigration. So we looked at, I think it's roughly 110 countries around the world and uh, that we could get data for on migration and on their economic freedom as a proxy of how good their institutions are. And we looked at stocks of immigrants accumulated by 1990 and also flows over the 20-year subsequent period and said, do either stocks or flows of immigrants impact institutions? We actually found you get a slightly positive effect. More immigrants built up leads to a little bit greater economic freedom. If that's the case, Borhars, every one of those simulations in the wrong direction, and the estimates that Clemens cites underestimate because it doesn't account for the improvement in institutions you get from the immigrants. Now, of course, I sent this paper to, to Borhars, and he wrote me a polite email back and uh, said that that was nice, but it has all of the benefits and drawbacks of a cross-country study, and he doesn't know what existing immigration tells us about a world with open borders. Uh, fair enough, but if you start with knowing nothing, Getting the first slope of the line might tell you something about what assumptions you might want to make afterwards. Uh, But I think this is an area where there can be significant disagreements among scholars that would impact what the global gains could be, and that reasonable scholars would disagree about this. More study is certainly warranted on it. But that is just so radically different than where the policy studies and discussion around what we should do about immigration here in the United States is. There's no way that we endanger our institutions by legalizing people who are currently legally here and increasing legal immigrant flows uh, to levels like we had at the turn of the last century uh, here through legal channels. But uh, I think more scholarships necessary on these bigger institutional questions, uh, but hopefully uh, this book and events like this will do a little bit more to spread rationality about what uh, basic economic impacts are. Ben Powell is a professor of economics at Texas Tech University. You can watch the full event discussing the impacts of immigration at our website, cato.org.